0: Welcome to the Commerce Tomorrow podcast, your one stop to learn about the technology that's powering the future of commerce.
1: Here are your hosts, Dirk and Kelly. Hello, welcome to an episode of Commerce Tomorrow. This is your host, Kelly Gage. Unfortunately, Dirk Horrig is unable to join us today. I'm here with Peter Suna at Contentful's headquarters in Berlin. Welcome, Peter. Hi, thanks for having me. Uh, Peter, do you want to uh, give the audience a quick background? What you do at Contentful, and how did you get here?
0: Uh, yeah, I'm uh, I'm Peter, and I'm head of product here at Contentful. And uh, yeah, I come from Sweden, so I'm uh, I grew up in the north of Sweden. Uh, so the true element, you know, snow, cold, and, <laughs> and, and darkness. That's uh, what I, what I really love. Uh, I uh, fell in love with uh, with the web and uh, uh, the internet. Really, when I was doing my studies in the late '90s. Uh, and I was playing football at the same time, and the football club wanted a homepage, so back in these days, everyone should have a homepage, <laughs> yeah. uh, and I was tasked with that since I was the only one with a technical background in, in the team, and that's how it all g- got started, and I uh, developed a small CMS who was powering this homepage that eventually turned into to a company that I ran during my university studies uh, that was then selling, you know, creating homepages for different businesses in my hometown. So that's how it got started, and uh, uh, eventually, I ended up in, in product management, and uh, since uh, I was working as a consultant uh, for, for quite some time, to uh, mostly once again related to internet and content and uh, how you manage content for, for global enterprises, and that led me to a company called Episerver, uh, and that's where I started in, in product management. And, uh, the good thing was I was tasked with to, to re-platform EpiServer based on... Uh, really, the iPhone was launched, which I think, you know, was a big disruption to, to web content management, which was very much focused on, on the web, right? And uh, mm-hmm. all of a sudden, there was a new device uh, that everyone had and started accessing the web with, and they realized that there were new requirements, that the Spartan pop popping up. And that became my, my first really big uh, project as a product manager. Uh, and... Uh, Lots of learnings uh, around, you know, how to uh, re-platform an existing product and how to go to market w- with that product. And mm-hmm. uh, I think the main learning for me was really in terms of, you know, you think you have something that's so much better. You've been working on it for, for two years, you know, back then it wasn't really this agile, iterative cycles. It was more <laughs> these bigger releases. And uh, we went to market with what I thought was a superior product, but uh, still it was challenging to, you know, to, to sell it and also to convince existing customers to start to use it. Uh, but uh, really, then working with the go-to-market strategies, and eventually we, you know, overcame that that barrier, and uh, mm-hmm. and uh, the new episode version became successful, right? And uh, but that's how I went, came into to product management, and uh, uh, and uh, how did I then get to Contentful in Berlin? The, the the reason was I went on paternity leave, and uh, I told my wife I want to do something completely different. <laughs> I was sick and tired of content management, and. Uh, I want to think during my paternity leave what to do next and uh, it happens that Sasha contacts me. So Sasha is the founder of Contentful and asks me if I want to come down to Berlin and uh, um, I come down to Berlin and have a workshop with him and uh, and Paolo which is the CTO and the other founder and uh, they really sell me on this vision and this was something I wanted to to be part of and uh, that's why Contentful
1: was small. I mean, it was what you said—a thirty-person company when you joined.
0: Yeah, thirty people. Uh, a really strong vision already back then, and uh, Sasha had created Contentful really to make, what he said, make content programmable. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, how can we really enable content to to work for developers as well? And uh, uh, I think there was a. This was really the foundation for Contentful to to make. Make developers happy again when, when working with content.
1: Yeah, and I mean, Contentful has just had a meteoric rise. Um, we were just talking on the way over here. I mean, how many how many people are you up to now? How much have you just raised?
0: Yes, now we're around 200 people. Uh, we have an office here in Berlin, where, which we're currently at, and also an office in San Francisco with around 50 people. And um, uh, we just raised uh, Series D with uh, 33 million, and in total, we've been raising about I think 73 million
1: yeah that's just phenomenal rise it's uh, a yeah. it's good to see and you know just for the audience's benefit uh, a lot of folks look at uh, Contentful and commerce tools as quite similar products just in different spaces you know we're both API first headless disrupting a fairly established legacy industry so whenever uh, whenever you raise money or, or Get a good customer we are always cheering for you <laughs>
0: yeah yeah I mean the same thing for, for for me so when I see that you're making a, a, you know a good entrance in the in an analyst report etc I'm, uh, I'm also something that's you know it's i uh, uh, i'm really glad to see that
1: yeah so on that topic um, legacy platforms you know platforms like epi server and uh, you know some of the more legacy CMS vendors out there they 've all added api's right and we see the same thing in the commerce space right we see Uh, IBM and Oracle and SAP commerce products just taking their legacy on-prem solution and they throw an API on top of it. Mm -hmm. Um, How? But you've always been headless. So how? How do you? um, Why are you different than a legacy monolith with APIs?
0: Yes, I think with, with Contentful, on one hand, as you said, we've always been headless, uh, which is bringing lots of advantages, especially how fast developers can work with the technology that, that they choose for, for different initiatives, right? Mm-hmm. But another thing which Contentful has, all, I mean, from the start, uh, Contentful was cloud-enabled, so be, being being cloud first. And I think if you have an architecture that's really working well in the cloud, meaning you know, multi-tenancy, mm-hmm. and I think that brings so many advantages in how, how fast you can move as a company. So how fast can you start a new initiative? How can you connect you know, a content repository to that initiative, launch your, your first website, invite new team members working on that specific initiative, right? Mm-hmm. And then how do you create your next initiative? And maybe there are some connections between those, those two different initiatives. And I think this is really where I see the power of these, cl- these cloud platforms uh, compared to many of the legacy CMSs, which have you know, a big complex product, which is uh, moving, usually moving very slow. So even bringing, you know, an API on top of that is not really enabling these type of use cases that we see that companies that have digital teams that want to move fast, want yeah. to experiment. How can we enable those those teams?
1: Yeah, no, I, I could not agree more with you. Multi-tenancy is huge, um, cloud first. I mean, it's, it's a very different world that these newer platforms like ours inhabit and, uh, you just uh, you can't put lipstick on a pig, as they say. Mm-hmm. True. As <laughs> nice as the lipstick might be. <laughs> um, so, who are some of your flagship customers, and, and where have you really found niches in the market?
0: Yes, I think what's interesting with with Contentful and our customers is. Uh, I was expecting when I joined Contentful that mostly uh, startups would be attracted by, uh, by our model, right? But we started to see a big impact among you know larger enterprises already three years ago, and uh, now we're seeing even more, more impact, right? But I think the reason for that is many enterprises are also going through the digital transformation, rethinking how they are... You know putting digital at the center of the company and how they need to be structured in terms of teams and processes around that right mm-hmm. and i think that's the reason that we've also been able to uh, yeah get uh, get into these bigger enterprises right and and then The commonality we see is really that they're thinking in terms of teams a lot that cross-functional teams on a mission that wants to you know have a clear goal that might be a specific goal in terms of selling more if it's a commerce integration Mm -hmm. or it's a specific uh, commercial conversions or customer experience that that you want to build right and these digital teams uh, are can really be powered by contentful and other types of services where you want to you really select the technology that's fitting best for, for the job right and that's why we see that we're making uh, so everything from startups such as and now I'm saying startups I'm thinking you know Spotify and and Lyft etc are using are using Contentful. To, to bigger more classic enterprises such as Urban Outfitters and uh, the a big uh, Canadian uh, telco company and the uh, British Museum etc. But mm-hmm. all these companies are rethinking a little bit on how they work with, with digital and technology.
1: And what I like about this, this model that, that you uh, have is um, as a customer I can try out Contentful for free if I don't like it I don't have to pay anything right mm. and like if you have legacy old-school software there was a big upfront purchase required and you'd have to spend millions of dollars you'd have to get an app server um, you'd have to get connecting middleware a database infrastructure you know it was a really big deal to do that and yeah now in this new cloud world that we're in whether it's AWS or Azure or GCP and then you have all these startups on I shouldn't even say startups right I mean we're established companies at this mm. point but you can just go buy a service try it out if it doesn't work you don't have to pay and that really lowers the barrier to adoption which i think is underrated out there
0: yeah exactly and i think that's also where the, the digital teams I like think the new way of i mean previously we we're looking at you know these big rfp documents which have all the requirements for the system and then you did an evaluation eventually you might do the proof of concept to see if it was fitting all these uh, these requirements right yeah. and now we'd rather see companies coming in and a small first initiative which is usually not the business critical one it might be more experimental etc. see if that's successful they can slowly start using contentful or commerce tools for you know other types of initiatives and mm-hmm. that's the way for us really to, to grow inside these companies.
1: Yeah no I, I couldn't agree more with you. Um, so business users you know, people at organizations are often business users and business users are have a difficulty in buying APIs because there's no tooling for them to see. So what do business users use with Contentful to manage page layouts, um, drag and drop, WYSIWYGs, that kind of thing? Like, where's, where's the head? There's gotta be something there that business users can use.
0: Yeah, and I think a, a common misconception is that uh, we don't have a head, therefore we have no UI for business users. So, mm-hmm. yes, we have uh, what we're calling, referring to as the web app, which is uh, where business users, authors, editors, marketers, you know, customer success, uh, whatever type of persona that's working with content. And I think that's one thing with content management. There are so, different, so many different roles and, and persona that is working with content across a, a company. Yeah. So there we have the web app, which is really then enabling uh, users to, to manage their content. And uh, another misconception with Headless is that there is no way to preview the things you're doing. And uh, for us, it's more like, how can we build up? uh, So when you're working with content in a structured structured way, Mm -hmm. uh, we want that content to be separated from the head and from the delivery, right? Uh, but it's also very easy for our, for our customers using the built-in functionality pro- to provide these, these bridges. So, yeah. for example, it, when you're creating your own head or your, your website, you can, inside our authoring environment, create a you know, direct link to preview your content with, with, your, own, with your own head. So there is, uh, this is definitely an area which we're also working with improvement uh, you know, in terms of making more real time, thinking more about how we can connect better layout management to, to your specific head, et cetera. Yep. Uh, uh, so definitely an, a, a big area where we're also making making improvements.
1: Yeah. And for, for those who are building their front ends from scratch, um, which I guess is most of your customers, what are some popular front end stacks that you're seeing?
0: Uh, yeah, so usually the, the 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 classic ones such as I mean React is very popular, and we see the whole uh, uh, I mean JavaScript is uh, definitely one of the, the main languages that, that, that many of our customers are using when when building their their heads. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have seen, um, for example, Gatsby JS uh, becoming more and more popular among yeah. among developers. We see in terms of hosting, we see Netlify also coming up a lot in terms of really creating that uh, what we call a full the full stack for, for a website, right? Then we also have many of our enterprise customers who are using more, more, you know, I wouldn't say old school, but, you know, Java and .NET and building their heads on top of that. And mm-hmm. uh, we've also been very careful in terms of making sure that there are SDKs for, for these type of technologies for you, for you to be able to, to build
1: your head. And do you ever see any of your customers use you in conjunction with a more legacy or CMS you know like an Adobe experience manager and do you ever see your customers combine the two or is it Contentful or a legacy platform
0: uh, usually it's a, it's a combination, and as I said, uh, that it's, it's very seldom that we come in and uh, the, the company decide, yeah, we're going to select Contentful, so we're throwing out all the other systems, and now mm-hmm. we're building everything on top of Contentful. So it's rather, as I said, the first initiative uh, is on Contentful, and then when that's successful, it's you know scaling out uh, from there, which means that in many cases, we're definitely working in parallel with, with many other systems. Mm-hmm. Uh, we can uh, see that some of the customers we're having, they might start with, uh, for example, microsites or marketing microsites uh, uh, on top of Contentful mostly because they can move really fast with that. Mm-hmm. It might be that they're stuck in, in an existing solution and then they're starting to, to use Contentful for the more the fast-moving initiatives, right?
1: Yeah.
0: Other examples are customers are using uh, Adobe Audience Manager to manage their, you know, their, their customer segments, etc. and doing personalization based on those. Mm-hmm. So definitely, you know, tying into other type of marketing functionality uh, when creating, uh, creating the experience.
1: Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense, and we see the same thing. It's it's not like somebody just swaps out you know WebSphere Commerce for us. It's a it's a gradual process. It yeah. takes some time. Um, yeah, those big bang projects are a sure way to get fired in a big yeah, bang. Yeah, bang. yeah. Um, Something we've at Commerce Tools been really excited about is your embrace of GraphQL, mm-hmm. and like you, we have embraced it as well. Can you explain to our listeners what GraphQL is and and why did you adopt it? And what are some common use cases? Um, what percent of your customers use GraphQL? It'd just be good to hear more about that topic.
0: Yeah, yeah someone on the I mean, one of the main strengths of Contentful has always been, been the APIs that we've been providing in terms of RESTful APIs and what developers can do with that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then we start, I mean, uh, GraphQL is coming from Facebook, uh, really working on, on complex graphs and complex content graphs and how you can find relations uh, between those, right? And uh, we, we therefore decided really, you know, to start with some early prototypes uh, uh, for, for GraphQL. So it started with an open source project that we built on top of our existing existing APIs. Okay. That was the first experiment, and we saw a big uptake of that in, in the market. There's lots of interest around it. And that's why we really decided to, to also support GraphQL in, in our delivery APIs and preview APIs. And uh, the reason for that was that really we, we see that GraphQL might definitely be you know a future way of querying, querying your content. And it's also a way to standardize how you query content across many different services. Mm-hmm. So instead yeah. of having to query uh, commerce tools and Contentful and maybe some personalization and profile store, you can actually have a bridge which is one way of querying all these different systems, right? Yeah. Uh, which means it's, it's much more effective for developer to, to come to uh, Really uh, gather the right type of content uh, uh, when uh, building up a website, as an example. Yeah. So, so, uh, to, so, on one hand, we see GraphQL is really popular among you know the, the the you know individual developers and the developer crowd, but also enterprises started looking into this for a way to them to standardize how they're querying all their different services and microservices, right?
1: Yeah, yeah, I couldn't agree more. So, something we've seen with a couple of our customers is. Prisma. So Prisma is a GraphQL layer on top of a traditional database. Um, Where where would that work versus where would somebody need a real um, headless API for CMS like Contentful?
0: Uh, for For the headless, headless for, for content management system rather I think it 's important to understand as I mentioned earlier there 's many people that are working with with content across the company, mm-hmm. and there are specific workflows that are really you know, tied to to make them make them effective. So so I think on one hand, that's really where Contentful strength is. There is a content repository with a specific content model that you can build using our content modeling tools. And then the content management uh, uh, UI on top of that, which lets you manage all all this content and really tie it into your existing processes. And then there's an API for developers who can then query that content that uh, uh, the content workers have entered, right, to build these experiences. And I think where, where, where Prisma and Prisma now have pivoted, I think, so now they're not talking as much as GraphQL, but rather being an overmapper on top mm-hmm. of any type of database, right? And I think they are more of a foundational piece, which is actually one level lower. So, so if you want to work with any type of data, not just editorial content, which Contentful is optimized around, uh, Prisma is a good, good choice for that.
1: Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense. And as a, as a company, you're very active in the open source community, right? You, you host meetups, you give webinars a lot, a lot of contributions back to open source. Is that coming from you and Sasha and the rest of the management team? It's just who you are or, and or is there business value in that? You know, like Explain why you've gone so far to make developers happy through open source.
0: I think this also comes back to uh, being a headless, being a headless system compared to traditional CMS, right? And what we're saying is that we really want to embrace uh, the use of whatever technology that you want to, to build your head, and that's where we want to be active in the community to make sure that if you're a PHP developer or if you're a, a JavaScript developer, we really want to empower you uh, to be able to build these these experiences, right? Mm-hmm. And that's why we have been very active in the open source community to make sure that once again we have the right uh, tools for. The developers in there and they can also affect uh, what they want to have uh, by contributing to that open source library. And many of, uh, as I mentioned, for example, with the GraphQL, we're starting up as an open source project really to to see the interest and get feedback and input from from the whole community before bringing it into the product. So definitely we we really love being part of that open source community and we think we can get so many good ideas and input uh, from that community to, I mean, to take Contentful to the
1: next level. Yeah, and, and how do you how do you foster that community? So besides just being active, are, are you doing anything explicitly to support that community? Do you license your your IP, you know, in a special open source license? Do you, you know, do you pay stipends? Do you have a summer of code for developers who want to do open source? Like, you know, what do you do besides just being involved?
0: Being involved, and also uh, we have been host as you, as you mentioned we've been hosting lots of meetups uh, which have been uh, then mostly focusing on the open source community and not just uh, you know content but also other other types of initiatives which we we want to empower and and once again, this is part of a part of our core wanted to be loved by developers so how what can we do really to empower empower developers and then engaging inside the open source community has been a great way of of doing that that being said, i think uh, we, we haven't open sourced uh, uh, you know parts of uh, the delivery API, et etc. It's still yeah. one thing that we're, we're keeping as a service and something we really believe to, to have as a service, uh, whereas uh, for example, I mentioned the web app earlier. we're definitely talking about should we also open source our web app to make sure that developers can engage and come with suggestions and improvements for the web app as well
1: yeah. I mean historically CMSs have been bought by folks in marketing, right? The business users in marketing have budget. They can spend the you know historically the, the millions of dollars. Developers haven't had those budgets. Developers have budgets for GitHub and you know more technical yeah. tools like that. So with when you sell to an organization, what do you have for the marketer? And how do you get a CMO who has no idea what an API is mm-hmm. t- to buy your product? How do you bridge that gap? <laughs> Uh, it's a good question. I think this is also something we
0: see in terms of the maturity of, of the company that that we're selling into. So if the maturity, the digital maturity is high, and also the understanding for agile processes and how can, you really can become successful, it's an easier sell because many of the, the 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 foundations of contentful is how you can move faster, how you're fitting into continuous integration for, for developers, etc. And then how we satisfying the, the marketers. And this is something where, on one hand, you know the web app. we're providing in terms of how you're managing your content. Mm -hmm. Uh, We have a a great web app already today where you're managing your content and one of the core uh, with the SaaS product we can make sure that we're always providing new features and functionality uh, to, to that web app. Uh, since it's hosted in the cloud, right? Mm-hmm. And I think that's a really great way for us to work closely with, with marketers and, uh, uh, and authors and editors, working with, with the web app, so we can have a really close relation uh, with them to see their needs. And then the other important part of the spectrum is that content management is one thing, but to build your digital experience, you you need other services as well. So how can we work well with, for example, marketing technology? Mm-hmm. So we have collaboration with Optimizely, where we're building the digital experience stack, which is really providing all these different services that satisfying the other types of audiences, which is then marketers. Uh, it might be merchandisers, integrating with commerce tools, etc. Mm-hmm. So for us, it's really important building up that user experience experience for, uh, for that persona is to connect all these different services and how can we make sure that uh, they can power content uh,
1: inside those. So that's the DXS alliance you're talking yes, about, right? Yes, exactly. And it'd be it'd be good if you could explain that for our audience, I think it's a really fascinating alliance that's kind of popped up. So how does yeah. that work? What is it? Yes. So on one hand, there's, uh, there's been a lot of talk in the market
0: about the DXP or digital experience platform. And this is also some that analysts have started talking about, you know, what companies are providing a digital experience experience platform. Mm-hmm. And when they talk about the digital experience platform, they really mean like a platform that can cover the full customer lifecycle and create experiences. Everything from uh, you know, driving, acquiring traffic to your website, uh, making sure that uh, you can sell your specific product and when they have that product, you can provide support and best practices, etc., around it, so really following that, that customer journey. But when building up such a thing, there are so many things that, that are involved. You know, it's content, it's, it's commerce, it's mm-hmm. personalization, it's, it's, uh, it's targeting, it's optimization. There's so many services that you will need to be able to, to really create a great experience across that, that full lifecycle, right? And we don't believe in a digital experience platform we really believe in uh, that companies should be able to select the best services that that they need and once again power these these digital teams uh, inside and that's why we uh, in in collaboration with uh, with optimizely and telium Telium and others uh, and amazon web services as well how can we start forming something which is uh, really enabling our products in a better way so we making sure that all these products are Uh, What I would argue is like very interoperable, so they can. can collaborate with all other systems, but mm-hmm. how can we make sure that there is also seamless experience for the business practitioners that's working across across these systems and start building those types of, of integrations, right? So that's what the Digital Experience uh, uh, Alliance is about, uh, to really forming something that can take care of the full digital experience uh, across this, uh, this customer journey.
1: What I really like about it is if you look at the RFPs that come out of traditional enterprises, if you look at the analyst um, evaluations of your space, um, if you look at how the market generally looks at you, they very strongly favor suites, yeah. right? And we have the same problem at Commerce Tools, and we'll get an RFP for a commerce platform that does you know 500 different business functions, yeah. um, when in today's world, when you have SaaS, you can easily swap in and out these different services. Yeah. And what I like about DXS, and we're thinking about joining it as, as Commerce Tools is, you can then go with your alliance members and when you start responding to these sales inquiries and you have to fill out an RFP, you can say, Yeah, Optimizely does you know, the A B testing, right? A commerce platform should not do that. Yeah. <laughs> right? Contentful does the the content piece, cool. Commerce Tools does the commerce piece. Right. Everybody has their place in that stack and hmm. it kind of offers a way for smaller vendors to get together and, you know, really provide a solution to the to the buyers out there.
0: Yeah, yeah, and we really believe in, the, in that stack approach in terms of, okay, you're building your digital platform based on a mm-hmm. set of different services that are shooting your needs best. And it also should be easy for you if you want to use something else for, for A-B testing, it should be really easy for you to do that, right? Mm-hmm. So it's one of those things that, okay, we are providing a, a bit of a blueprint for you to be able to tackle uh, mm-hmm. uh, the full digital experience. But if there is another tool that's working better for you, you should, of course, also be able to use that.
1: And what I also like about DxS is if, if you look in the founding document one of the principles is that the vendor should be easy to work with. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Right? And metered pricing, um, you know, no contracts. I mean, there there are a lot of commercial terms that are in DXS that companies like ours all, you know, very much adhere to. Hmm. And I would argue one of the biggest forms of technical debt is commercial, right? If you have license restrictions, um, if you have huge contracts that go for five years, if you have... You know, And I think that companies like ours getting together and, and offering a new way of doing business is pretty refreshing to a lot of folks out there.
0: Yeah, I really like that part as well. And just, I mean, the thing we talked about earlier in terms of how fast can you try something out and evaluate it to see if it's working or not? And how can you launch a new initiative that's maybe using a different uh, technology uh, I think that's really enabling lots of things, and then that comes to commercial terms, which then mm-hmm. needs to be, it's not this lock-in. You're buying, lots of, you're buying a huge platform with lots of functionality, You're using 10 percent of it, uh, you re- realize after one year that you don't use, utilizing that 90 percent, but you still <laughs> need to pay for it uh, for three years, etc.
1: Yeah. yeah, it's, it's frustrating. Uh, so how do you roadmap at Contentful?
0: I wish I would give you a simple answer to that, but this is also something that's been changing a lot as we've been growing. So as I mentioned, that we've been going from 30 people to uh, to 200 people, and also the product management uh, or the product team has been growing from two people to 25 uh, Mm -hmm. people. So there's been lots of uh, you know changing in way we've been doing planning and how we've been executing on that. But to give you Better ideas. On one hand, we have what we're calling strategic product drivers. So this is something that's always guiding us towards the vision. Something that uh, the product managers and, and the rest of the company should always have in the back of their head when they're thinking about how to map specific opportunities if it's aligning with our our drivers. And then we have an opportunity backlog, which is continuously updated during, uh, you know, daily, uh, quarterly, monthly, whatever. It should be something that's continuously updated that we can then use when we go into a yearly plan and we're thinking about high-level themes. So then the product team is really uh, providing that the big opportunity backlog for senior management to identify, being one of the input to senior management to identify specific themes that we want to set for the uh, uh, upcoming year, Mm -hmm. and then also based on the learnings and the insights. have in the market, the senior management is setting a high level themes and, and focus areas. And based on that, it's really up then to, to the teams uh, use, uh, to map these different opportunities we're having uh, towards those uh, themes. And that eventually become the roadmap that we are building out.
1: That makes so, a lot of sense. And, and what's nice is um, SaaS vendors like us, we can release all the time. Because yeah. it's not like we have packaged software that you have to deploy and you have a big annual release. Things are coming out all the time. Yeah. and uh, you know, it always helps to be able to change the roadmap in real time.
0: Yeah, and I think that's, on one hand, we, we want to be really outcome-driven in most of the things we're doing, and we're not, even though we have a roadmap to be able to tell a story and see in which direction we're heading, as you said, based on learnings, based on findings that we do, we can definitely adjust the things in the roadmap. And the important mm-hmm. things are, you know, on one hand, the themes that we're focusing on, that we want to be aligned with, with those themes, but the specific things we're doing in there is really up for, you know, for the different teams
1: and the PM to, to decide. Yeah. And what does your underlying platform look like? How, how did you build it? Where do you deploy it? Uh, yeah, I mean, so, so right now we have been focusing a lot on the
0: continuous delivery ourselves. And we are uh, are divided into to, to, to three bigger groups within, uh, within product development. So on one hand, we have an infrastructure group, which is also then mostly uh, responsible for the uh, underlying infrastructure that the other teams are are using in terms of how we put things to to market how we're going through really you know a staging process before putting it out into into delivery etc mm-hmm. but it's one of these things where uh, I think, uh, as uh, as a company and being an API centric uh, uh, company, we have all you know always been having a rigorous process in terms of how do we roll out changes uh, to the API, how we're making sure there's no breaking changes that's mm-hmm. going out, etc. Has been a lot of quality and focus ar- around that, and this is something that we also can use now when building up the practitioner experience and thinking about the, the quality as something that the teams always need needs to consider. But really, the teams we have this matter, you know. You, you know, you, 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 you develop it and then you deploy it and, and you own it. So that's definitely something we're using here.
1: Yeah, well, that makes a lot of sense. So um, how is the tech scene in Berlin, right? And Berlin has a, a culture, especially in Europe. But, you know, for especially our American listeners and, you know, non-European listeners, you know, how, how is it? And how is it different from like Silicon Valley, for example?
0: Yeah, on one hand, you're talking to uh, to to dad of a two and a four year old, so so I, I wouldn't say I've been really you know part part of the tech scene. That being said, uh, I really love the the Berlin tech scene. On one hand, it's uh, you can feel it's there's lots of meetups going on. There's lots of different uh, types of meetups, so it's. Uh, I, what I like is that the tech scene in Berlin, I think, is also involving other aspects than than just tech. So there, there is meetups mm-hmm. in terms of personal growth. There's, you know, meetups in terms of how to think of, uh, you know, broader picture. Uh, in terms of environment meetups, et cetera. So I think it's starting to span you know, much more just outside the specific uh, technical pieces of it. Yeah. And this is something I, I really like about, about the Berlin and it's, it's really diverse, and there's lots of thinking and different perspectives uh, uh, coming into play here. And this is also something that you can see I mean, uh, at Commerce Tools and Contentful, there's a you know, diverse set of people working at these companies. And this is really, on one hand, fostering a culture which is uh, very open, mm-hmm. but it's also uh, can be very challenging at times. You have different perspectives on things, but rewarding when you actually bring in all these perspectives and you manage to get to, to a great outcome.
1: Yeah, and you know, we, we see the same thing. If we look at how many nationalities we have represented, it's something like 40. I yeah. don't even know what it is, but yeah. you know, you look at the vast majority of employees and they're the best of the best in the world. And Germany just welcomes them. And it's a very established thing to get somebody in from Egypt or Turkey or, you know, pick your, your country, you know, South yeah. Africa. And they can come here very quickly, very little paperwork. Um, and it's really a community of, of immigrants, people who are all coming together to build this, this great technology. And mm. you just see there's a certain, there's an air of innovativeness, right? And I think what, what I find different is people aren't chasing money here. You know, if you look at the Bay Area, there's very much a, a casino culture, right? How many options mm-hmm. do I have? You know, I, I want to pump it up as big as I can and then dump mm-hmm. it, you mm-hmm. know. And here you don't see that. I think mm-hmm. there's a lot more love of real technology, yep. innovation, yep. Um, housing costs. Yeah, they're, they're, they're high, but they're not bad here. I mean, you can get a flat for, what, 1,000 euros a month, 2,000? Yep. You know, and you compare that to San Francisco, it doesn't even compare, right? So I just, yeah, no, I love that that dynamism and yeah. you know, just attending a meetup at a, at a random office is just a cool experience that...
0: Yeah, yeah, that's true. <laughs> you
1: don't see anywhere and, else.
0: And I've also, since I've been living in Stockholm for, for a long time, I usually compare, you know, Berlin to Stockholm. Stockholm is a beautiful uh, town and they sometimes try to create the roughness of Berlin, but it's, it's always have these nice touches everywhere. Whereas in Berlin, you go in like, is this an office, you know, or is it still a construction yeah. site? Sometimes hard to
1: tell, right? Yeah, it's very... <laughs> Sentent. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you want to call it that, but uh, you know, couldn't be happier to be part of the scene here. It's yeah. a lot of fun. So long term, um, where do you see the CMS and DXP markets? So do you see the pure play CMS is going away, and then they're being eclipsed by DXPs? And do you think headless solutions like Contentful are best for everyone? And I should preface that mm-hmm. by saying, in the commerce space, we see a lot of down market vendors like Shopify. Mm. There are a lot of folks out there who just want a website in a box, yeah. and that's not our market, right? We're at the enterprise space, yeah. um, and you are not necessarily a CMS in a box in ways that other vendors are, mm. uh, and you appeal better to enterprises and developers, people who want to build it themselves. So yeah. I, where do you see that market evolving? Do you see the traditional vendors going away? or uh, I mean, the if you look
0: at Squarespace as an example, which I think is on the other end, it's really, you know, a great tool for just, you know, setting up your own homepage, which works great for the, the restaurant in the corner, etc. And that's not where, where Contentful or this best of breed approach and forming your own stack. So, so I think that Contentful will fit very well into the companies that are betting on digital and want digital to be a core of their business and therefore have technical people in-house. Right. If you don't have that, if you want to have a website on the side, it's not the core part of your business, there are many other platforms that are, that are making more sense uh, for you. Uh, that being said, I think uh, we have quite a few full-suit full uh, solutions today and uh, they are having... Uh, a Currently, a big foot toll inside inside many enterprises, etc. I don't think they're going to go away. I think what we're going to start seeing is what you said earlier. There's going to be specific initiatives that you know coming into these, these enterprises, mm-hmm. and start running these new types uh, of, of of services to build up uh, these these new experiences, right? But I, I really do believe that there there will be more specialized services but they're working better to the, together. You know, the integration is usually very tricky because even though you do nice technical integration, the user experience might not be, be as good as we want it to be. Yeah. So I think that's where we have a long way to go before the, the best-of-breed approach is really taking over. Yeah,
1: I agree very much with you. Um, and, and long-term, where do you see your product heading? There's... Uh, the initial vision of Contentful was
0: to become the the back the content backbone for for the internet uh, and uh, the last few years we've been focusing much more on on the enterprise mm-hmm. and uh, that that's really where we're heading and and I see that uh, there is so much to do in terms of we, contentful today is really bring up these what we call the digital teams they can move really fast and iterate and build things build new products iterate on products really fast and scale that mm-hmm. and then I think there's another axis which is more like the the customer experience axis building really sophisticated uh, customer experiences and this is where the, the companies such as Adobe and uh, EpiServer and Sitecore has been able really to, to provide great functionality for these practitioners to, to build these, these type of experiences. Mm-hmm. And I think the the thing that, that, that will happen and where Contentful is going, how can we find the right balance between the business and the practitioners and the moving fast, uh, uh, speed up delivery, etc., coming from from developers. And when you find the right balance be- between those two, I think that's really where you get to to really great outcome. And that, that's where we, we're getting at in terms of, Really, where we're taking our product. How can we really bring a company together and collaborate? The technical people are collaborating with, with the partition, business partitioners. That's where I think that the great outcomes will come from.
1: And that's the focus for Content for Contentful moving forward. Wonderful. Well, that's a wrap. Thank you so much for joining us. Had a Thanks. great time. Thanks for having me, Kelly. <laughs> all right, to all our listeners, thank you for tuning in. And uh, please join us again for the next episode.